This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Joy and sorrow, noticing, slowing down. These are all themes in award-winning poet and author Ross Gay's new collection of essays, The Book of More Delights. Now, it's a follow-up to his hit 2019 collection with a familiar name, The Book of Delights. Now, it's a book that invites a different way of moving through time and space, of connecting with strangers and yourself. He's in town for a conversation at Evanston Township High School, but before he heads there, he's chatting with us. Welcome, Ross. Thank you. It's good to be with you. You know, as a, as a journalist, I, I really love these, these themes because I'm constantly noticing and constantly scanning for things like factual errors and inconsistencies <laughs> and for, you know, what perspective is being left out of a conversation. And mm-hmm. your book is all about this. It's all about paying attention uh, but you are noticing and you are looking for human connection and moments of finding joy alongside the pain, right? How did you come to this practice? You know, I kind of, I mean, I kind of stumbled upon it. Um, I was basically, you know, this is the second iteration of this book. The first one's called The Book of Delights. And this one is very inventively The Book of More Delights. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but... We, um, you know, I was just like taking a walk. I was actually at a writing residency in Italy, um, a place called Civitella Maniri, beautiful um, writing residency. And I was walking back from town and I was sort of, you know, witnessing the beauties of this part of Italy and Umbria. And there was like sunflower fields. It may have been a sunflower region, producing region. And a there were, you know, linden trees and there was, it smelled, the fragrance was beautiful. And I sort of noticed, I noticed myself noticing it, noticing, mm. noticed myself being delighted. And I thought, oh, you're in the midst of a moment of delight. You should write a little essay about that. And then almost immediately the feeling or the, it felt like a, an instruction came to actually write, do that every day for a year. So I did that five years ago and then, then I, or, you know, more like seven years ago. And then this one I did you know, in between 2022 and 2023. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of a revisiting of that project. And so that's how it came to pass. I love that so much. I, I've been taking it upon myself to notice, uh, you know, other delights too, right? Not just the ones I mentioned before for work. And, yeah. you know, just in preparing to talk with you, Ross, I, I was I was thinking about the fact that over the last few weeks, I have been, there have been, there's just been this moment every evening or so from my bedroom, I can see uh, neighbors, their backyard, and I can see a pair of siblings. They've, they're both under 10. They recently got a new trampoline and it is the most delightful thing to watch this brother and sister just jump for hours and have the best time. And then sometimes they invite friends and it's it's really beautiful to watch. And it's so simple, but it makes me smile every single time. I love it. I love it. I've been on the road for the last, you know, two and a half weeks. And I got home yesterday and I could hear through this little grove of um, black walnut trees, like a little yard, basically. On the other side of that, I could hear a guy who was doing work, <laughs> some drive his like mm-hmm. big rig back there. And he was singing like some old timey song so beautifully through the thing. There was that dude, but then I could also hear my friend's kids like hollering, hooping, hooting and hollering. <laughs> and it felt like, again, similar kind of feeling. And mm-hmm. I do just want to say 
as the way you described it, it and when you were talking about scanning for errors and scanning for, it did make me think, oh, I haven't yet thought of this practice of delight as being a kind of literacy. Mm. That, that we have all these kinds of literacies and that it might be the case that the literacy of of delight is something that, you know, you also have to kind of cultivate and practice. Yeah, that that is so true. That is so true. Uh, in the foreword, you write, quote, for the record, before you go there, I'm not being optimistic. I'm just paying attention. End quote. Uh, why did you think it was important to make that distinction? Well, in part, because I think there is a, you know, because I often get, I was about to say accused, but I don't mean, uh, but I actually mean, I, I often am sort of regarded as kind of like optimistic or as like, you know, um, positive. Or yeah. And I'm like, I'm not. If you read the, the these books in their fullness, you'll be like, oh yeah, dude's not optimistic. He's he's like really sort of recording the fullness of the devastation and the sorrow and the and just the kind of conditions of being a creature on the earth. He's not evading anything. But in the midst of that, um, as much you know, as much as there's that to notice, there's all this care. You know, there's all this connection. There's mm-hmm. all this like looking out for one another. There's all these like kids across the way hooting and hollering. I can't even see them, but I can hear them, you know? Yeah, it is such, such a delight for sure. And continuing on this theme in an essay called joy is such a human madness. Mm. You write about Zadie Smith's separation of joy from pleasure. This was in her essay called joy. Mm -hmm. And you write about the connection between the just intolerable, terrible parts of living and the parts that also make it worthwhile. In your view, can the two of those things be separated? The intolerable and the worthwhile? Yeah. No, I mean, because then you, I mean, if you want, not not, not if you want to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> so this is yeah, just a part of life. It's just, I mean, it is to me, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure there are enlightened people out there who are like, oh no, it can be. <laughs> <laughs> But not to me, you know, my, my knee hurts, my knee doesn't hurt. But, you know, for example, like, we're going to die. The people we love are going to die. You know, some yeah. of them we can't even imagine the ways that they're going to die. It might, those people might be us. Um, and on and on and on and on. And that's just like, you know, you grow up and you kind of like recognize that. And I feel like part of the really growing up that I'm trying to do, and maybe this project is part of the doing that, is to practice attending to that fact too. Yeah. Which which makes those kids hooting and hollering all the more beautiful. You know, it doesn't diminish it at all. It makes it more precious. For some people, that's a tough pill to swallow, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy to, to to grasp that, right? Even especially as you mentioned, you know, the people we love, they're not always going to be here. Yeah. And I don't think we're probably encouraged to uh, grasp that either. Like, I suspect if we grasp that we might have um we might <laughs> you know i think we might be more inclined to share with each other and stuff like that we might be more inclined to let's just be sort of tender with one another you know so you already you know mentioned this earlier but this book is a continuation of the practice that you started with the book of delights so why more delights well you know partly i was sort of as I was writing that first book, it was it was a really interesting experience, and the writing process 
um, that was my fourth book, that book of the book of delights. Um, the writing process was so pleasurable the way that I did it. I wrote them every day. I wrote them by hand and I wrote them quickly. I, you know, I drafted them all in 30 minutes or less. And there's just something so kind of pleasurable about it. But there was also the pleasure of like, yeah, part of my writing job is to actually take 30 minutes and uh, ruminate on why something delights me. That's not a bad thing. You know, it doesn't make you feel bad, you know, <laughs> like never. Mm-hmm. So I did sort of think of like what a pleasure it would be to do this ongoingly. And I was with a buddy and I talk about this in the introduction when I was finishing the first book and he asked if I was going to keep doing it. And I thought, I, you know, I can't, I can't keep doing it right now. I have this other stuff to get to, but I did think it might be very interesting to just to do it again over the, you know, maybe again and again and again mm-hmm. um, over the course of a life to sort of see, you know, for instance, like in this book, what it means to be five years older and for, to talk about the things that have sort of transpired mm-hmm. in, the, in the five years, you know. And so, so we can expect another one called the book of even more delights. I know. See, that's the problem with that title. More and more. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the reception been like to this practice as well as the book? You know, people are really uh, interested in this in this practice, you know, and I I was touring for my last book um, in the last fall, um, fall 2022. And I had so many beautiful conversations with people who would say things like, um, oh, your your book it kind of got me and my friends to do this, this delights project, or we've been doing like a morning Zoom of delights or whatever versions of this kind of noticing and sharing thing. And mm-hmm. that that is really moving to me. And I try to remember to be like, yeah, those those delights were shown to me. They were offered to me. I offered to other, them to other people. Other people will offer them to each other. They will continue. You know, it's this kind of big old circuit of, of sharing what you love, articulating, yeah. sharing what you love. So, Ross, and the way that you write these essays, it's, it's kind of an invitation of sorts to slow down. So I'm, I'm curious, what happens for you when you do slow down? What does it resist? You know, to slow down and notice something, to slow down and um, look at something or listen to something or regard something with a kind of patience, curiosity, intensity that we don't normally do makes us aware that we don't know what we think we know. So in a way, it feels like um, the slowing down is a kind of unknowing, is a kind of defamiliarizing of our experience. It's a kind of reminder that we are constantly becoming and we're constantly changing. Mm-hmm. That to me is is fascinating. It's fascinating. It's unnerving too. It's unnerving, you know, yeah. because we we mostly want to sort of, my experience, I think it's common experience, we mostly want to go around with the assumption that we understand everything. You know, and what we don't understand, we can nail down. But the fact is that it's a kind of alarming and wonderful fact that when you look at any flower, you look at a um, zinnia Mm -hmm. (laughs) for an hour, you will realize you've never seen a zinnia. Mm. You listen to your beloved, really listen for an hour, you'll realize, oh, I've never, I've never listened to you yet. Now, in your first essay, you write about a birthday hike. Set up the scene for us. 
and then we're, we'll have you read a passage from from that one. Yeah, well, me and my partner Stephanie were up in um, in Vermont, and we we're going to go take a hike, and <laughs> we were just like you know cruising around. We weren't you know we weren't dressed like you know Vermonters. <laughs> if you've been there, you know what I mean. And um, you know we crossed paths with a couple people who were very serious, and they were actually preparing for a longer hike along the Appalachian Trail. And the older of the two, she seemed to be kind of mid sixties, um, kind of chided us for not being dressed right for, I was carrying like a glass jar of water on the trail and, you know, other stuff. And, um, so <laughs> we were wearing cotton, which we didn't know was like a, a mortal sin, evidently. A no, no, a no, no. Anyway. So we eventually like, you know, say thank you. And she ends up the, um, person who was unhappy with us ends up being very friendly and uh but we run away trotting down enjoying myself trying not to smoke stephanie and her hurting knee and head i found myself whistling and feeling the soft earth receiving my inadequate footwear and the glowing ferns dragging their feathery fronds along my suicidal cotton shorts and i noted how pleased i was delighted even as i tend often to be at having not reached the summit, to have gotten close, but no cigar. An interesting quality I was turning over in my head on my glad descent. Maybe I'm afraid of failure. Maybe I'm afraid of the ends of things. Maybe it's a rejection of the conquering spirit of some of my forefathers. Maybe it's a distant cousin to the way I, for some reason, always leave out a tiny bit of a few ingredients when I'm cooking. A few slices of onions, a couple of very small potatoes, three florets of broccoli or cauliflower. Maybe it's a small and weird gesture of hope, leaving something in the tank for tomorrow, which implies there will be a tomorrow. Maybe not finishing is a prayer for the tomorrow. Mm, a prayer for tomorrow. That's beautiful. Thank and, you. And, and definitely not what we usually think of with, with this hyper focus on success that you know yeah. that follows a linear timeline. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You have written before that the people that you're closest to are are walking around with a profound personal sorrow of some kind. Uh, you know, in this new collection of essays, you you talk a lot about interactions with strangers. Are, are you approaching strangers with an idea that they too they might be managing a deep grief? I try to be approaching strangers with the understanding that they're they're carrying a deep grief. Mm, understanding. I try, yeah, I try to. Someone said to me, is that a value? I remember someone asked me, is that a value or something? Um, the implication being that you can't know that for sure. And I think that's true. Um, but I also have a strong sense. <laughs> you could call it a belief that most people are heartbroken and not from like guessing, but from like talking to people, mm -hmm. you know, whoever it is, someone picks me up from the airport to take me to a reading, or I happen to have a conversation with someone at the coffee shop or, you know, a student or a colleague or whatever, someone at the garden. It is, it is, you know, I think we know that we know that as adults, that most of us are heartbroken, whether or not we're willing to sort of acknowledge that, but yeah, that's that's what I would like to try to I try to go with that understanding, which mm -hmm. I think, like I said, is a kind of um, I said it earlier, maybe is it might lead to a kind of tenderness is what I hope. Does it create an opportunity for connection or, or sh sharing a joyful moment with them? 
Well, I mean, it simply means to share, to acknowledge that, oh, that we have this in common. You know, we have this in common. Mm-hmm. And and thereby maybe we could have other things in common, you know? Well, what can people expect from the event tonight in Evanston? It'll be a conversation with um, Adrian Matika, who's the editor of Poetry Magazine, um, an old friend of mine. And um, I'll read some of these essays. Um I'm excited. I think it'll be fun. Um, I have some old friends in Evanston that I'm excited to um, to get to share the work in, in the presence of. That's Ross Gay, award-winning poet and author. The Book of More Delights is out now, and Ross will be speaking at a free public event tonight in Evanston at 7 p.m. Thank you so much for making the time for us. Thank you. It's great talking to you. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.